the, the Holy Grail, which we think is achievable, it just requires a slightly different approach, is, is to, is to take not just that transaction data, but all the, the data you've got around a customer um, and combine that um, in a way that um, allows you to take off the, the burden of, of sort of managing money in inverted commas, but actually the burden of all the different things um, uh, that you want money to do for you um, and, and put it onto the bank. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Ricky Knox is my guest today on the show. A five-time entrepreneur and the founder of international money transfer firm Azimo, Ricky continues to compete in fintech. His latest venture, Tandem, is a strong competitor in the UK challenger banking market. There aren't many entrepreneurs who keep coming back to fintech, and Ricky describes why he thinks financial services is so ripe for disruption. Tandem's approach to helping its customers make financial decisions uses AI, and we talk about technology's role in managing money. We discuss how he's handling growth and scaling, and how he's positioning Tandem with products and services to compete in the future. Ricky Knox is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, my name is Ricky Knox. I'm founder and CEO of Tandem Bank. Um, and um, I've actually been um, been an entrepreneur for a number of years now. After a small stint in VC um, and, an, and an MBA, I, I have built um, five businesses um, uh, and, uh, and, a, and a small fund. Um, and most of them across fintech. One was telecoms, uh, and and sort of I don't know whether it's culminating or. Uh, but but in, in, in building a digital bank, uh, tandem bank here in the UK. So what kind of masochist goes and, and creates multiple banks in the uh, fintech uh, space? Like what, what's your, I'm, I'm, that's a joke obviously, but what's your, yeah. what's your interest in, in sort of digital finance? Like why there? Yeah, so um, if you look across all of my businesses, um, obviously they will tech um, and I like, I'm just sort of love tech. I think that would be there's everything from like playing with gadgets through to actually, you know, uh, how how the world's changing and sort of looking future words. Um, but the other two elements um, were um, uh, well, first of all, um, areas where I can make an impact and actually uh, change the world for the better. Um, so uh, my uh, my telecoms business was. Um, uh, bringing mobile networks to some of the um, world's least developed countries um, and building some of the first mobile networks using secondhand recycled hardware um, from the developed world. Um, so that's um, uh, the sort of purpose side of things. And then I built two remittance businesses, so helping some of the world's poorest um, uh, get larger money flows more cheaply from uh, the developed world. Um, and, and, and in banking, um, and then I suppose, sorry, the third bit, financial services, which hasn't all been, but really I like industries where there's a degree of complexity. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are plenty of, um, uh, you know, industries out there, like you know, construction is a great example, where there just is no premium on intelligence. Um, so uh, the hiring, you would be doing the wrong thing to hire a super smart construction team uh, because you would have very little competitive advantage of your construction peers. Um, whereas um, uh, financial services is incredibly complex and just getting your head around some of this stuff requires you to, to hire a smart team. And I like working with smart people. Well, so as you introduced yourself, Ricky, um, one of the, you, you said uh, all of your experience kind of culminated in tandem and then you said, well, maybe not. But so, so tell me, 
you know, where the idea for tandem came and maybe if there is that sort of thread that cuts between all those uh, stops along the way, that'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, so uh, basically um, as soon as we, I started working FinTech, um, uh, I, you know, the, the high level thesis when we started, and this was um, really formed after I sold my first FinTech business, which is a foreign exchange software business. Um, but looking around, we were like, and we with me and my business partner, Michael Kent, uh, we're looking around uh, who currently chairman of Asimo. And, and, and we're looking around and going, look, financial services is going to go exactly the same way as retail, um, uh, you know, um, uh, as, 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 as media, as these other industries that have been disrupted. Only we actually think it's going to fall harder because it is it's more like, uh, you know, digital media than it is like um, uh, than it is like e-commerce because nothing needs to be delivered. It's all zeros and ones, and as cash is fading away, there's really very little link to the real world. It's an entirely technology-based industry. So, uh, and indeed, the you know felt that the role, uh, you know, the the sort of simple view that has been taking the time, which was. Uh, you know, maybe we'll be disintermediated, all these great words being used, um, was was very simplistic because there's another weird thing about financial services, which is very few, very few people, I could argue, almost nobody wants to buy their products. So uh, um, what they actually want to do is, is, is be assisted by the money that they get from a loan or indeed the money that they've set aside. Uh, they're either time-shifting money or they're, um, uh, or they're effect effectively... Um, you know, enabling the purchase of something, a mortgage enables the purchase of a home. And so, you know, you've got a really weird industry where it's entirely digital. Uh, the customer doesn't want his products at all. And yet, you know, you've got an awful lot of people sitting around in very high ivory towers thinking that they've got, you know, well, they do run one of the most profitable industries in the world and that they're all powerful. There's, there's a lot that's wrong with that, a lot that was going to break and, and fall, fall down. Um, uh, some of that's happened. So, you know, obviously at, at Asimo and Small World, we participated in, um, you know, the a part of a wave that disrupted the payments industry, uh, which was a very important uh, important wave. But um, uh, but that sort of soon came along to lending. Now that's been a slightly less successful disintermediation because or or, or, or disruption so far because again it was sort of failed to recognize what they were really doing was. Uh, um, disrupting the uh, origination mm -hmm. uh, part of the industry, but not changing anything else. So, you know, hey, you know, look at, uh, you know, we sell uh, books online, Hampton sells books online, but we can sell loans online. That's, that's That'd be great. And, um, and of course, it, it coincided with the, the banks having no idea how to do anything online. And, and so, you know, guys in the U.S., um, and and uh, the, interestingly, though, the, 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 the disruption was actually, I have a friend of mine called Dave Nicholson, who invented Zopa here in the UK, who went, hey, why don't people, you know, there's a borrower and a lender, why don't they get together directly? Um, and that, but that peer-to-peer -peer lending legislation enabled a whole load of, um, uh, of disrupting uh, companies um, in the US, Prosper, et cetera, so far, who were basically just saying, hey, let's, let's, let's sell lending online. Um, and and that has uh, has had mixed results because the challenge is technology has a massive pursuit of growth um, and technology businesses and technology investors and unfortunately growth uh, can be achieved very easily in lending but it's most easily achieved by lowering your credit standards in which case you get other problems that come later on so that temptation 
has driven <laughs> a few challenges um, uh, for some of the U.S. lenders. But then, uh, the, the, uh, at that point, and when we when we started Tandem, we were looking at financial services, going, you know, a, you know, there's been these bits crumbled off the side, but but nobody's really going at the heart of this, which is, um, you know, the whole. Uh, the relationship that uh, that a customer has with his money, um, and how um, uh, and how you could potentially provide services, whether they be lending or saving or payments or other things, um, with a much more sort of human-centered view, and and thinking about the problems that that person is under addressing, underlying in their life, whether it's buying a house, buying a car, or or whether it's um, uh, you know, just thinking about the retirement, um, uh, but all of those much more holistic problems and address those through digital uh, experience. Um, and I think that, um, uh, so that's why we decided to start Tandem. Um, and, you know, we think that, you know, banking itself, the bank, very banks that sort of uh, constitute, you know, largest industry globally, two trillion of, of, of revenues um, uh, globally will, um, uh, you know, will will be uh, significantly disrupted, and there will be a whole uh, swathe of new players that come through. And and our view, vision is that that those will be disrupting um, uh, the experience completely. Now, some of my uh, competitors primarily just want to make banking a little bit better. Uh, we think that uh, banking as it exists today is a waste of time; it shouldn't exist. So uh, we want to we want to completely reinvent it. And, so can and we talk about do what they want to do about that point? I guess and how you differentiate against some of your competitors because the UK, particularly for our US listeners, in the UK I think is one of the most fertile grounds for um, watching sort of what the the future of digital is having. Definitely more than the US. Um, can you talk about, I guess, how how you're different than than the competitors, and I, specifically toward, towards what you just said now, which was that you kind of want to make banking go away, you're kind of redefining what banking is or financial services is. Can you talk yeah. about that difference? Sure. Um, so, um, in the UK and now starting in the US, there's been a um, uh, you know, uh, 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 the, the sort of first wave of, of disruption in digital banking um, has been around the checking account or current account, checking account for the Americans. Um, and um, that that disruption has come from the fact that actually, um, uh, you know, when we were sort of running around talking about this plan, um, everyone's like, oh, no, everyone's very happy with their banks. And we're like, actually, we just don't believe that. Like, this is one of those situations where, uh, first of all, and you know the evidence given by the banks was no one's actually shifting accounts. Right, you know, it's hard to leave, but they're not happy. That type of thing. Exactly, and so it's like actually lots of fear about it being a total pain in the ass to start a new bank, and some of those fears justified, and some of them not. But but actually, um, that didn't mean they were happy. And so what you're finding is particularly the day-to-day -day spend experience and the sort of mobile card combination has proven incredibly powerful, whether it's for us or for other people, um, you know, recruiting hundreds of thousands, millions of customers in incredibly short timeframes. You know, the, uh, the last new bank in the UK was Metro Bank, um, uh, which is a branch-based model. It took about six years to get to a million customers. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's taking, you know, incumbents, you know, including ourselves, you know, 18, 24 months to get to a million customers. And then, and then, and then it's actually accelerating from there rather than decelerating. So I, I think the, 
the first bit is um, is is just you know taking that um, uh, that that payment and day to day banking interaction and actually renewing it, which I think is as I said is is, is interesting, but it's not the fundamental piece. So the fundamental piece is about unfortunately it's much harder, and this comes back to something you mentioned before. I call on on sort of why tandem is focusing on AI. You know, banking ultimately provides a really rich pool of data, um, and but um, interpreting that data is is far from easy. And you know, you've seen a an entire industry of of of, of mostly failures around sort of what was called personal financial management, because actually it turns out moving translating your transactions into something that's meaningful for customers is actually quite a difficult thing to do. Um, uh, because it's so full of exceptions, but but ultimately the the holy grail, which we think is achievable, it just requires a slightly different approach, is is to is to take not just that transaction data, but all the data you've got around a customer, um, and combine that um, in a way that um, allows you to take off the the burden of of sort of managing money in inverted commas, but actually the burden of all the different things um, uh, that you want money to do for you. Um, and and put it onto the bank or onto the app um, where where it can start to um, you know not just sort of go hey um, you know here's a nudge or here's the next best action which is something I've heard bankers talking about for ages which is basically like what shit can I sell you next um, but actually go what's the problem you're dealing with okay here's your whole financial context here is here is if you want to do X then. Uh, then we can fit it into your money like why, and we can facilitate it to this extent with loans or with savings or whatever it may be. And by the way, here's a trade-off between loans and savings because time-shifting money is uh, is expensive um, and involves an interest rate, et cetera. Um, and put that in, in, in dollars and cents, not put it in percentages, which customers hate anyhow. Um, and so there, there's quite an interesting opportunity there to um, uh, you know, to, to, to reframe the role of the bank and to turn it into essentially a sort of money assistant that, is, that helps you to um, uh, navigate uh, life lived through money. Um, and there are, you know, tons and tons of areas to go out there. And I suspect we'll still be, you know, people will still be reinventing this in 10, 15, 20 years time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Um, but there's um, there's some pretty exciting um, differences. And so Tandem is more than any of its competitors, a data business. Um, we have, are the only people who started with open banking. It's a big new exciting thing that's been happening in Europe where you can, um, uh, with a net, what's now just a print of your thumb, share all of your financial data for the last 12, 24 months with um, another financial institution um, uh, or indeed another fintech. Um, and um, and so we're building off the back of that. We're the first people to arrive to market with a solution built built off that basis. Um, and we have continued to lead the market in terms of actually helping you make those um, uh, understand your money in the context of um, uh, of, of of the spending and saving and borrowing that you might want to do. Well, so d- does that also filter down to the product level? Like I know you guys, there's been talk about you guys working on a mortgage. Um, I guess, how does that, um, yeah. that approach towards data, that openness to open banking, how, how does that reflect itself in, in your product development cycle and, and what the end product looks like to the end customer? 
Yeah, so I mean, an example, and this is a, a less, I'll talk about the mortgage one in a moment, but um, uh, on the savings side, um, so what, you know, almost all the digital banks in the UK, and I'm sure the US guys have started as well, do is a bit what Acorns does, where they have roundups, where they take mm-hmm. transactions up to the nearest pound and set it aside and can invest. Um, you can invest that money or indeed just pop it into a side pot, uh, which in, you know, in the case of most of the banks doesn't pay any interest. It's essentially just a little side pocket of your current account. Um, and, um, and that's great in that it helps you start to build a savings habit. Um, but um, there are a couple more phases there. One is starting to accelerate your savings. The third one is actually saving successfully towards a goal. Uh, Tandem does a full cash flow forecast and permits you to um, uh, start sending money aside, and, um, but also to accelerate that savings habit towards a goal, understand what you can and can't do in the context of, of all of your uh, cash flow analyzed over the last 12, 24 months, um, and, and maximize your saving if you're, um, I don't know, like me, you've got a particular savings objective uh, and saving, you know, 20 pounds a week is not that helpful, but saving, you want to save, you know, a thousand pounds a month or more um, uh, towards a specific goal at a specific time. Um, and so we'll help you with that whole process. And and so that, that, that understanding of your cash flow is pretty central to everything we do, which is, you know, what if your expenditure is variable, what if it's fixed? Um, how is how does what does that mean about how much you can set aside in that context? So that's sort of how we take that additional data. And by the way, we're looking at your main checking account, not looking at your just your tandem account, which all the other guys would be doing. So we're connected to your Barclays working in tandem with your Citibank account, your Barclays account, um, uh, to allow you to continue to analyze stuff that you're doing in that. Uh, in that that context as well, and indeed to control your Barclays or your Citibank account via open banking, um, where we can push transactions out of that account as well. But that that so 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 when you're talking about product, it's like rather than just rounding up, you know, for example, my Revolut transactions, I can actually uh, understand all of my context and see how much money I could save overall with a more complicated calculation. Um, when it comes to mortgages. Um, we can do something similar. We can actually detect your rent, understand how much you're paying in rent today. Um, uh, you know, understand uh, obviously your overall budget, how much is going out, how much is coming in, so what your you know free cash flow is, and what your affordability, what you could have, you know, what you could afford to pay on a mortgage. We can then look at reverse that out into okay, and have what size deposits you have, what sort of mortgage rate that can give you, what does that translate to in terms of the amount of money you could spend on a house today. And then we can start to compile whether, you know, you acting practice should be looking at shared ownership because, you know, you're going to be able to afford a mortgage of, you know, you know, 50,000, 100,000 bucks, in which case you're probably not going to be buying a house in the UK, um, uh, you know, because you can't even buy a garage for your car for 50,000 bucks. Um, uh, and, um, and so, um, uh, and, and so, you know, what are the options we have there? Or, you know, you've got 500000 and does that allow you to get your dream home or do you have to stretch which areas you should be looking at? Is that inside, outside London? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So you can get – now, we haven't developed all that. We are – that's sort of one of the product processes we're in right now. It's kind of figuring out how much of that we want to own, how, how far deep into that process we want to drive. Because obviously it's a pretty critical decision and you, you could go an awfully long way, but the ideal is – we partner up with other players who can sort of take over a part of that uh, as we move down that journey 
uh, and some of our friends in, in some of the other sort of property uh, tech businesses here in the UK could sort of help with that sort of selection process and move through the rest of the house buying journey. Um, but we certainly can be helpful in the, like, what the hell can I buy? What the hell can I afford? Uh, question which comes up front. That helpful? Yeah, no, it, it sounds like I lost you at, at the end of, uh, of that okay. answer. Okay. Um, but can we can we shift now into you talked about some of the the challenges uh, in growth? Oh, you didn't talk about the challenges. I'm interested in hearing about the challenges. Um, yeah, can, can you talk about how you how you know the industry is growing? You guys have grown a lot. Like, how do you continue to stay? I guess ahead from a staffing point of view, from a product point of view. Like, how do you continue to push on the envelope? Yeah, I mean, look, growth is always tough in that even just just acquiring enough, uh, you know, people to continue to um, keep your service levels high on customer service and um, uh, to continue to produce, um, uh, to sort of manage the operation in a scalable way. And the, the, the key thing for us is just tech and, and, and we have continued to expand and scale our tech team over time and we try um, to do as much as we can with technology and not to uh, build in manual processes where, and indeed to the extent where we will sometimes just, we have to just tell customers, I'm sorry, we can't serve you if uh, if we can't do that in a straight through way. Um, so a lot of it's about saying no and figuring out, you know, who you're going to say no to <laughs> because this guy or girl is not going to, you know, um, be able to, for example, self-serve via, you know, via iOS, Android. So, you know, if you want branch service, we're not for you. You know, if you really want to do just phone service, we're really not for you either. You know, if you want to have online banking access, I'm really sorry, we're not for you. You know, so that it's about thinking about how you keep things focused and scalable so you can deliver um, great, um, uh, a great experience for that segment of customers um, that you're focused on. Uh, I want to go back to something we discussed uh, in passing early in the conversation about AI. Um, you guys just made a, a, a senior hire in that um, in that function. Can you talk about, yeah. um, I guess, the 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 role with with somebody heading that, and steering that, driving that? Like, what the role of AI, I guess, for the future of Tandem is? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, there is very little limitation on. Uh, you know, which areas of, of banking can be um, assisted by AI. Uh, it really can play a role, you know, uh, right across uh, the business model um, uh, and right across the organization. Um, there are, um, you know, ultimately your, you know, a bank is um, at some level a sort of risk management organization where you're managing, um, you know, essentially credit risk, which is uh, obviously default risk on your assets. Um, uh, um, so, you know, you need to make sure that the money you take in uh, is lent out in a safe way um, that is not going to incur some losses, but not too many losses relative to the pricing of the product. Um, uh, and, uh, and and AI and AI modeling can be incredibly helpful in the credit process, um, but they can also be incredibly powerful in managing fraud risk, uh, in managing uh, money laundering risk, um, and, and indeed even in sort of operations. So whether that's you know what, what you'll see in, in some of the other players is, is the main place that AI has been deployed is in customer service, 
Um, we actually don't deploy it there, and that's a conscious decision. Um, uh, and why is that? Uh, because you end up with a, we're already slightly dehumanized as a app-based bank, and, and we want, if people want to get hold of a human, we don't want to do the, the Google, Amazon thing and hide the human, hide the phone mm -hmm. number, you know, uh, um, and, and try and minimize the flow into that number. What we want to do is actually um, get people access to them, give them human customer service, point them back into the digital experience, but actually give them the human context that they want. So going in like three defense layers of, uh, of AI where there's some non-human answering you is probably not what people are looking for when they call our number or, or, or press chat uh, on our app. Um, uh, they, they, they like to like some human contact. Now, that's not to say that you can't search our FAQs in an in a enhanced way, uh, you know, or, um, or get some automated response that's what you're looking for, um, but, um, uh, but, but, but we don't, uh, we haven't sort of buried that behind a wall of, 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 of bots um, before you can speak to a human. Yeah, you read some of these uh, like disaster stories where people who need, needed help can't get it. Um, we have time for one last question. Um, and I'm kind of curious like where your head is as you're th starting to think about 2020 probably. Like what are your biggest priorities as leading tandem into, into next year? Like what are you focused on? Um, can, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, short answer, kind of one word is growth. Uh, it's, it's about internationalization, particularly for us. Um, we've already announced um, late last year, we had a partnership going into uh, Hong Kong, which will be live in the end of the year. We got um, uh, significant uh, additional growth plans um, coming uh, in, in, in 2020. Um, and how do you choose uh, geographies? So, um, are, you, are you looking to replicate sort of where your competitors are going or taking a different um, tack? I think to say we're looking at both. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our competitors have gone into U.S., but if you look at the um, uh, the drive to that, and in fact, to drive the whole U.S. market, if you were extraordinarily cynical, uh, you'd just say, look, uh, interchange. Will be, there's only one word, mm -hmm. which is in the U.S., you can make a 2% interchange on debit. Uh, you can't do that in Europe. It's restricted to 0.2. Um, all of our um, you know, loss-making compadres uh, in the UK would be massively profitable at 2% today, massively profitable. Like if you just made that one change in the mm -hmm. financial model, bang, the whole UK neobank sector is, is smashing it already. Um, you know, uh, proper as super normal profits. So in the US, they have 2% interchange. They're going over there to get their 2% interchange. The whole model works much better. And I think there's a few things that they're, Missing in the U.S. because that's and, and and our model is slightly different because we have uh, we have got interchange as a major revenue line, but uh, we also do a lot of lending, so um, you know interest rates and um, uh, and and margins uh, are really important to us as well. So um, uh, that is that is a big delta between um, uh, you know us and the other guys. We don't we don't think you can reinvent banking while sort of marketplace outsourcing lending, um, if we actually got to reinvent the lending piece. So, so, so that's an important part of our business model too. But so we, we, we look at where our, yes, we look at where they go, but, but, but ultimately we look at where, how our business model translates across different markets. Mm. Um, and so that has, you know, in part driven the, the move to Hong Kong, 
Um, you know, some people would generalize and say Asia, who very competitive. Actually, Hong Kong, highest profit per capita banking market in the world. Um, uh, you know, very interesting market. Um, Are you going in through a partner or going direct? Mm, kind of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, if that makes sense. Uh, um, no, I mean, I, the intention is to go indirect. There's some partnerships on the way in, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, but ultimately, ultimately we're looking to, uh, you know, to expand and, and, and acquire licenses in different parts of the world and, and, and expand that way. So, um, whereas obviously the U S and the sort of the logic of interchange has then driven, oh, I get in the U S has then driven, oh shit, I can't actually get a license in the U S has then driven, okay, let's partner in the U S rather mm-hmm. than people going, oh, let's partner. And then, oh, look, the U S has good partners. I think it's, it's come the other way around for, for N26 and Mondo and the others. Reggie, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for uh, joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much.